0: Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at bethesdachurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Welcome once again. We are in the middle of a series called Fearless, and we kicked it off a couple of weeks ago. And so far in this series, we've talked about the fear of rejection. A lot of us we we fear being rejected by people, so we live bound by the opinions of people. Uh, last week we talked about the fear of failure. Um, many of us we never try anything because we're afraid to fail, which means that we never accomplish anything significant. We have to overcome our fear of failure. I want to continue the series today with the thought on intimacy today, and I'm not going to be as preachy today, um, not because it's Father's Day, but because I want to talk to you about this this subject today, about intimate relationships, about overcoming our fear of intimacy. A lot of us, we really struggle when it comes to this one, and let me just ask real quick, how many of you have enjoyed the series so far? Have you got something from it? I've had... A tremendous amount of feedback over this series. I think it's it's been beneficial, and I think today will also be beneficial. Um, and with the whole concept of intimacy, a lot of us, we struggle and we have a fear of intimacy because we've been hurt before. We, we've we had a relationship that went south. Maybe we went through a divorce. Maybe a friend betrayed us. And because of that, we put up walls and parameters and boundaries. And so we we keep people at a distance, and we think that, you know, we are safeguarding our hearts, safeguarding our lives, not realizing that God uses relationships to get us to where he has called us to go, that you can't be everything God has called you to be without authentic, intimate relationships. So this is going to be really, really good today, but um, you can hear a lot of people, though, you can hear that they've been through something because they say things like, you just can't trust people anymore. How many's ever said that? Oh, some of y'all lying today. You Just can't trust anybody. I mean, everybody's in it for themselves. I, I, I would, you know, get involved in this relationship, but I'm just afraid I'll get burned again. I'll get hurt again. And I'm, I'm not going to put myself in a situation to feel that pain again. Before we go too far into this, I want to start with the key verse for the series, 2 Timothy 1.7. It says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. So we've learned already, fear doesn't come from God. Fear uh, has torment attached to it. God does not give fear, but how many know? God does give love. Now this is important to understand because God doesn't do love, God is love. All right, he is love. That is who God is. He is love, And, and so he wants us to first connect with him on an intimate level, and if we'll connect with him on an intimate level, perfect love casts out all fear, then I can move in an authentic, intimate relationship with others. A lot of times, the reason we can't be real with people is because we're not real with God. It all starts with God. You gotta be honest with God. You gotta be intimate with him. It all starts with him, and without that, then we're going to struggle. And this applies to every message we've done so far. I mean, you talk about rejection, the fear of rejection. If you'll find out who you are in God, you won't worry so much about the opinions of people, right? If you're afraid to fail, you need to know who you are in God. You need to start there and realize that if you step out of the boat, God will order your footsteps. And when it comes to intimacy, if I'm intimate with God and have an intimate relationship with Him, then I can have an intimate relationship with other people, Everything starts with God. And because oftentimes we don't start there, we end up in what I call poor thinking. Everybody say poor thinking. Poor thinking. It sounds like this. It sounds like if you knew the real me, you wouldn't like me. How I many of what you think about you, you project onto other people? So so if you, you have that mindset, then you are setting yourself up for Failure. A lot of us, we, our poor thinking is, I'm just afraid of being rejected. What, what if I share my heart? What if I share my dreams and hopes with somebody and then they reject me? I've been burned before and I'm not going to be burned again. And that's our thinking. That is poor thinking. Let's talk about marriage for just a moment. Many of us, we desire to have a great marriage relationship. But the problem is, is that we saw our parents fight all the time. We watched them fight. We watched them throw pots and pans. We thought it was normal. We watched them scream and yell. And then we're like, man, I watched them go through the divorce and the pain of that. You know, I I don't want that. And so I had a friend who said, I'll never get married. I asked him one time, why are you never getting married? He said, because my parents fought all the time. He's like 40 and he's still not married. He meant it. He watched as he, he, he saw a dysfunctional relationship, and so he immediately, what? He put up walls. He put up guards, and he's like, I'll never submit myself to any kind of relationship on that, that kind of intimate level because I know what it looks like. And so a lot of us, we're just afraid of intimacy. What if what if I get married, pastor, and we fight all the time? What if I get married and and, you know, they get attracted to somebody else? What if... I get married, and they become unfaithful, or I become unfaithful. We have this fear of intimacy. And and I got a question for you, and I think we'll have 100% participation here. How many of you would say today that you have ever been burned before by a relationship? Come on, raise your hands high. If you're not raising your hands, you're a liar. (laughs) Liars have their place in the lake of fire. (laughs) I'm just playing, having fun with you. We've all been burned, right? Here's what I would say about that. Your pain is real. Your pain is real. Nobody's asking you to pretend that it didn't happen, that you've not been hurt, not been rejected, that somebody didn't walk out. We're not asking you to sweep that under the rug and pretend like it doesn't exist, but we want to help you overcome that today, and through the power of the Holy Spirit and God's Word, I believe that you can step out of of that fear of intimacy and, and enjoy intimacy with God and also enjoy intimacy with the people God has placed in your life that will be a blessing to you. Um, great, great story about this from the Bible is in the Old Testament, and you know the story. We, usually when we talk about this guy, though, we talk about the sickness that came on his body. We talk about the loss of finances. We talk about his wife who said, curse God and die. And you guys already know who I'm talking about. We're talking about Job, right? Job loved God and had a lot going for him. But he lost you know, his health, he lost sons and daughters, he lost his finances, he lost all this stuff. And as his life was spiraling out of control, he had some buddies. I don't know if you call these people buddies or not. But the, these buddies, these friends of Job, instead of saying, hey man, hang in there, we'll help you through it, we'll get you through it. Instead of doing that, his friends, everybody say his friends. His friends criticized him. They talked about him. They gossiped about him. And they even accused him that all this is happening, Job, because you got sin in your life. You're losing your children and your money and your health because you've got sin in your heart. Now, I want to say this about Job. There's a lot you could say about him. He was more mature than most of us. Because I don't know how you feel about it. If my friends say that about me, I'm punching somebody, Right? Like, you're supposed to be my friend. Like, not talk about me. You you should be supporting me. But Job, even though he was hurt by their words, and I'll give you the scripture that shows that, the Bible says later on that Job actually prayed for these guys. How many know? That's probably a little more than what we would be willing to do. He prayed for them. Instead of getting upset and retaliating, he prayed for them. But we know that he was extremely hurt because Job 19 and 19 says, all my intimate friends detest me. Those I love have turned against me. You can almost hear the pain and, and the fear in his words. Those I love, they've walked out. Those that I've poured myself into, they have rejected me. They have talked about me. There's nothing quite like the pain of a broken relationship. Nothing hurts. How many of all good things come through relationships, but all painful things come through relationships. Come on, hit your name and say, Relationships are confusing. <laughs> Good things flow through relationships, and painful things flow through relationships. And some of us, we have an extreme fear of any type of intimacy. And so many people, the problem is, they just never got past something. They say, "Well, I'm healed. I'm whole. I got the victory in Jesus," and and they have zero authentic relationships. And, and the reason for that is they've never gotten past something. Something happened in the past that they've really never gotten. They, 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 just not, they were not able to get through that and move on to the next thing God had for them. So when it comes to the fear of intimacy, I want to look at two Bible principles from the Genesis uh, story, the creation story that I think will speak to us today. It's the story of creation. We all know God created everything, but he created Adam And when God created everything and created Adam, he was saying everything is good. But after he created Adam, he looked at him and said, you know what? It's not good that Adam be alone. Now, in the original language, it literally means it's not good that Adam be all one. Everybody say all one. So it's not good that he be all alone, not all one. So what did God do? God pulled out of Adam. How many Everything that we see came out of Adam. God didn't go back to the dirt to create Eve. Not only did his kids come out of him, but his wife came out of him. We're going to hit that hard next year. i have already planned a series about this. Because the weight of the family has been placed on the man. Adam was the source of not only his kids, but the source of his wife. Life is in the sea. So God created Adam and said, It's not good that he be all one. I'm going to give him a best friend. He gave him Eve, but he pulled Eve out of Adam. And he said, you guys, multiply, be fruitful, have fun, enjoy your life. And he says all this thing, and he gave him, you know, all these great things, but there was one thing God said, I don't want you to do. Don't touch the one tree, and Satan shows up in the garden. I'll I'll make a long story short, and he questions what God had said. He says, has God really said that you can't eat, you know, And, and begins to question them. Adam and Eve sinned, they gave in, and at the point of sin, at the point of disobedience, watch this, two things happen. Intimacy with God was lost, but intimacy with one another was lost. See, our relationship with God directly impacts our relationship with others. If every relationship in your life is distant, it's because your relationship with God is distant. If this relationship is good, it'll make these relationships better. Does that make sense? So you got to put God first. got to start there. But if I have a fear of intimacy, it does two things. Number one, it makes me distant. What does that mean? It means I keep you at arm's length. I'll let you in, but you're only going to get so close. Why? I've been hurt before. People have walked out before. So I will not put myself through that again. I'm not going to get hurt. And look at what the Bible says in Genesis 3, 9, and 10. It says, but the Lord God called to the man. He said, where are you? He answered. I want you to notice something, men. Let me talk to you real quick. God didn't ask Eve, where are you? He said, Adam, where are you? Now, we always want to blame Eve. You know, she got tricked. God didn't come looking for Eve because Eve came out of Adam. Adam was in charge. See how quiet? Men don't want to hear this. Did you know the responsibility for your home, man, man of God, is placed on you? That if if your wife is broken, it's because there's something broken in you? Yeah, that's about what I thought. But I'm coming at you. I'm coming at you today Because look at at what it says It says the Lord God called to the man He said where are you And he answered I heard you in the garden I was afraid Because I was naked So I hid Now you got to get this They were naked before Well what happened Sin came Which means Sin entered the picture Sin came in But shame and guilt Came with it Imagine living in a world Where you're naked and unashamed Praise God for clothes is what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. Praise God for clothes. Thank God we're dressed today. See, our our fear of intimacy can cause us to keep people at what we would call a close distance away. We're going to keep you at arm's length. We've all been hurt. That's life. Life happens. Hurt happens. Rejection happens. That's just part of life. People are people. They're moody. I mean, people are moody. I mean, you meet a guy one day, and he's like, hey, what's up? You see him in the very next 24 hours later, and you think you're going to get the, hey, what's up? And you get a, like, are you serious? What happened in the last 24 hours? Like yesterday, hey, what's up? Today, I barely got a nod out of you. How many of you people are moody? So you can't wear your feelings on your sleeves either, but the Bible says that Adam and Eve hid behind fig leaves. They sewed fig leaves together. So many ways I could take this, but the fig leaves represent man's attempt to cover their own issues. Fig leaves represent anything we use to cover our issues outside of Jesus. How many Jesus is the only one that can truly cover us? But we, we use a lot of things to cover ourselves. And we can be hard on Adam and Eve. We're not, we're, we're not much different because some people hide or avoid intimacy by hiding behind their job. I'm just busy, man. I'm just busy. Sorry. I, I haven't been there. I'm, just, I'm busy all the time. I work all the time. They hide behind success. They hide behind money. They hide behind all kinds of things to cover up pride and, and, and insecurity. They hide behind it and, and try to cover their own issues. My question today is, what are you hiding behind? What is it that you are hiding behind that keeps you from enjoying an intimate relationship with God and other people? So not only does a fear of intimacy make me distant, secondly, it makes me defensive. When I have a fear of intimacy, then I'm never wrong. You're always wrong. If you would change, I would be happier. Come on, you can't allow other people's actions to control your responses. We need some maturity in the body of Christ because we, we want to say things like it's all your fault. If you would be a little different, I could be happy. Come on, don't tie your happiness to somebody else. Find out who you are in Christ, right? Find out what God has said about you so you're not so dependent on everybody acting perfect for you to be happy. I, come on, you got to tell the devil you are a liar and you're not stealing my joy today, devil. I don't care how you act. I'm gonna, I, I know who I am. So I, I'm not going to go down that road. It makes me defensive, and we think it's everybody else's fault. And there are times when people hurt us, but we need to own our decisions. We need to own our actions. Hit your neighbor upside the head and tell, tell them, own it. You may hurt me, listen, you may hurt me, but that does not give me a right to respond inappropriately. Sometimes we get hurt, and our response to the hurt was worse than the offense, And we got to go back after we've been hurt, and we have to say, which is powerful. Don't ever lose this. I'm sorry. How I many? I'm sorry. Thank you. I love you. Those words are are always powerful when you can own it and say, "Here's my mistake in the matter." Now, as this plays out, Adam and Eve played the first blame game. Look at what happens in verses twelve and thirteen says, the man said, here's what Adam said back to God. you got to love this. This is the way men are, though. Um, God comes, like, where are you? What's up? And Adam says, um, not my fault. The woman, you gave me. I love that. It's not just her fault. It's your fault. It's, it's her and you. Because, you know, had you not given her to me, I, I wouldn't be in this predicament. And then... He moves on to the woman. He says, what is it you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So Adam said, the woman you gave me. And Eve said, the serpent deceived me. And both of them, in essence, what they were saying is it's not my fault. It's not our fault that we're in this situation. And a lot of us, the reason our life never changes is because we refuse to take responsibility for anything in our life. We refuse. I'll just talk to the men. I'll be nice for the ladies today. Some of us men need to man up and say, It's my fault. It's my responsibility. Men, do you know you've been anointed as the priest of your house? So if your house is broken, it's because you're broken. If your house is out of order, it's because you're out of order. How many of that's some weight to handle? That's responsibility that a lot of times we try to avoid. We we want to pass the blame somewhere else. So in the it all started in the Garden of Eden with the blame game. Adam blamed Eve. Eve, Eve blamed the, the snake, but the snake didn't have a leg to stand on. <laughs> Come on. Corny preacher joke. Come on, y'all. You gotta smile at that. All right, so <laughs> moving on, moving on. Our fear of intimacy, how how do we get you know past that? Couple things, I've just got two main things today. You, you must take a prayerful relational risk for an intimate re- relational return. So there, there's going to be risk in intimate relationships. And the key word to that first point is prayerful one. Like, don't just walk down the street and find somebody and say, hey, let's be intimate. No, that's weird. Come on, y'all. Can I have fun with y'all or not? Yeah. All right. 8.30, they didn't, I didn't think they liked this. <laughs> so we got to make a prayerful and relational risk. So it means that we don't go into relationships randomly, like just with anyone. We, we, we have to be prayerful. First Peter 1.22 says, love one another deeply from the heart. So it needs to be intentional. needs to be thought out. needs to be prayed about. I'm not just entering into relationship and intimate relationships with everyone. And, and what we need to know today is that your relationships will, I'll say it this way, your life will never change if all your relationships are surface level. If everybody is at arm's length with you, your life will never change. The intimacy you experience in relationships on earth is connected to your relationship with your Heavenly Father. And we need to understand that, not on the screen, but you need to get this. The quality of your decisions is directly connected to the quality of your relationships. What do you mean by that, Pastor? It means that if I'm around the wrong people, I make bad decisions. If I don't have the right people in my life, I make bad decisions. But if I'm linked up with good people that love God, moving in the same direction as me, then I make better decisions. That's why parents tell their teenagers, hey, you're not hanging out with so-and-so. What's the teenager say? Why? Your parents are being nice, but what they really want to say is because they're stupid, and I don't want you thinking they have wisdom. (laughs) They make a lot of bad choices, and if you hang out with them, your choices are going to look a lot like theirs. That's really what they're saying. They don't want to say, they want to be nice, it's your buddy, but... Hey, your buddy's not that smart. We want you to get around. <laughs> Come on, somebody. I'm going to preach this anyhow. The other thing we understand need to understand is that the devil will do everything in his power to keep you from enjoying intimacy with the right people. He will, Listen, the devil doesn't attack relationships that are not important. The devil attacks the relationships you need. Why do you think marriage is always under attack? Why do you think relationships with with an authority in your life is always attacked? Because that's the relationships that God has given you that you need. So he always attacks the relationships that you need. It's not the ones you don't need that he's after. It's the ones that you need that he's after. So in order to um, gain genuine intimacy, we have to take a risk. But... You cannot achieve intimacy if you think you got to be in control of every relationship. You can't have control and intimacy. All the ladies just hunkered down. (laughs) If you're controlling it, and you—I mean, you said, "Bless God, you're going to do A, B, and C." Listen, that's not a—that's false intimacy. That—that's not a partnership. That's like you a boss and they, your employee, right? That's not, that's not genuine. And, and a lot of us, we're, we're like, I just can't do it. You know, I don't want to be vulnerable, being hurt, not doing it again. And here's what I would say. It is scary to risk, but it's even scarier not to risk. Say, so I don't want to get hurt again. I don't want to go through the pain again. And it is scary to risk. It's scary to be vulnerable. But it's even scarier to go through life all alone to go through life without the relationships that God has for you. So God said about Adam, he said, Adam, you're pretty awesome, but it's not good that you be all one, all alone. You know what we have in a lot of marriages today? Y'all getting anything out of this? You know what we have in a lot of marriages today? We have a false intimacy. It's not a real intimacy. It's a game. And you you got people who are not married that say, I'm just so lonely. Oh, I look at the married people, and I'm just lonely. But how many of that, that is loneliness, but it doesn't compare to the loneliness of being in a marriage that's not genuine. You're laying down at night and sleeping beside somebody you don't really know anymore. You don't share anymore. Come on, let's get real today. You, 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 you don't share hopes, you don't share dreams anymore, you're not together anymore, but you're married. I mean, that's a deeper loneliness. A lot of us, we say things like, I don't trust people anymore, and, I've, and a lot of people, they just lost hope in all relationships. You know, some women say all men are losers. I mean, that's a little insulting to God who can change a man's heart just like that. So, you got to give God an opportunity to work. Also, you need to know that as a Christ follower, you should be linked up with some people who also are following Christ. It's crazy to say, I love God, but none of your friends love God. Happy Father's Day, everyone. (laughs) I love Jesus, but all your friends, none of them love Jesus. What's wrong with that picture? you got to get connected to the right people. Without God's people being for you and supporting you and praying for you and linking up with you, you can't become who God has called you to be. I've been watching this younger generation, and, and there's you know a lot of criticism about the millennials. But in our church, what I have noticed is that those that are 35 and younger are growing faster than the older generation in their relationship with God. You say, well, how's that happening? I'll tell you how it's happened. Number one, they're coming to an incredible church. A little bias. A little bias. But they're encountering God, but you really, you really want to know why they're growing? Community. I don't know if he's in this room, but I, I think of Hunter Ralston, where he was a year ago. And where he is today. He's up here playing the guitar. If you met him a year ago, you wouldn't have dreamed he'd have been up here doing what he's doing. And I look at some of these, and I see them growing, and I see them all standing there. Have you looked at the worship team, how young it is? And they are growing and on fire for God. And I'll tell you what: why. They are in authentic relationships. Most of us can't name five sermons that have changed our life, but all of us can name five people that have changed our life. They're surrounding themselves with good people who love God. And, and the product is they begin to grow and enjoy intimacy with God and others, and God God will use people that are connected to the right people. Come on, hit your neighbor and ask him, who are you hanging out with? Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future every single time. Look at what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13. He said, love always, trust always, or trust, love always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. I'll get it right. And a lot of us, we've just given up hope, trust, all those things that love is. If we're truly in love, we truly love people, then we're going to hope, we're going to trust, we're going to persevere. Yet so many people have given up hope. Another thought I would give you is just avoid premature intimacy. Avoid it. Like, Don't meet a stranger and say, hey, nice to meet you. Can I vomit my entire life on you? No, it's really weird. Too much information. I barely know you. Some people go too far, too, too fast emotionally. I'm not even talking physically. We go too far, too fast emotionally. We share too many details with people we barely know. I've done a ton of weddings this year. It's been like the weddings. I've done like five already, and a couple of them I couldn't do, and two or three more on the It's been like wedding season. And thankfully, I get the opportunity to sit down with couples and share a lot of the insights that, that God's word has given us clearly about marriage and about relationships. And, you know, every once in a while, you'll meet a couple. You know, they've been dating two months, and they come in and say things like, we love each other. I'm like, oh, really? You love each other. Oh, yeah, I love him. I love him. He smells good. Look look at his hair. I mean, he moved out of mom's basement last month. I just, I'm in love. No, you're not in love. You're in love with the idea of love. It's not even love. You're in love with the idea of love, not the substance of love. Like, I'll ask questions like, have you had a fight yet? Oh, no, we don't fight. We just love each other. We just love, love, love. You've never had a fight. No, we've never had a fight, Pastor Jeff. Get out of my office and go fight. Yeah, that's my, he's saying, what kind of preaching is that? It? It's good preaching, is what that is. You need to know how that Joker responds when you fight. He may be the kind that comes at you with a butter knife when he fights, you know? You how many know you might want to know that beforehand? Come on, have a couple of disagreements. Fight a little bit. Find out how you respond. Avoid premature intimacy. Don't fall in love with the idea of love. Solomon said this. He said, I want you to promise not to awaken love until the time is right. You got to know when the time is right, and the time's not right five minutes in. The time's not right two months in. You need a little more time. Listen to how quiet it is in here. It's like pen drops. Some of us, we go too far, too fast emotionally. We're really playing emotional Russian roulette is what we're doing. Some people engage in premature intimacy and they settle for not a real intimacy, it's a false intimacy. It's not the real thing. And you say, how, how do you know that? Because true intimacy is when you can say, especially when it comes to marriage, listen to this, when it comes to marriage, it's when you can say, I'm giving my life up for you. I submit my heart to you. It's no longer about my needs anymore. I'm coming into a covenant. Your needs are more important than mine. That's marriage. That's, listen, that's love. So if you can't do that, the question is, is it love? The Bible would say no. The Bible says love trusts, love hopes, love perseveres, love it's not selfish. Is this good preaching today? Because we 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 enter into relationships, man, and we want to be selfish and our spouse is selfish and we think this thing's just gonna be great. No, everybody's selfish and it's gonna end in destruction. Love and marriage means that we are submitting to one another. First John 4:18 says there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. We have to make a prayerful relational risk. Secondly, final point, before you risk, you must find security, acceptance, and intimacy in Christ. What that means is, is before you get in relationships with others, you need to know who you are in God. Because if I know who I am in God, then I'm not so dependent on you being perfect. Because I'm already accepted in Him. I'm already loved in Him, already forgiven in Him. If I accept what He has done for me, then I'm not so needy in Your life. Oh yeah, this is so good. Look at what Jesus said. He was asked one day. He said, "What's the most important thing?" A guy asked him, "What's the most important thing? Like, what's like number one?" Jesus. Jesus said this in Matthew 22. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second it is like it, love your neighbor. Usually we stop reading right there. Love God and love your neighbor. Look at what he ties it to. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know why some of our relationships are bad? It's because we don't even like us. We don't even love us. He said, I want you to love God and love others as you love yourself. If you don't accept yourself, find security in Christ, you will project that on the other people. That's why so many relationships struggle. If if you're self, everybody has self-talk. And what I mean by that, in your head every day, I don't care if you're driving to work or working. How many, we all talk to ourselves in our head. It's not like I'm, like, Pastor, you walk down the halls here all week like just talking to you. No, it's self-talk in the head. And some of our self-talk is stinking thinking. Because we are criticizing ourselves, we're, we're thinking thoughts, I'm not good enough to find the right person, I'm not good enough to really enjoy intimacy with another person, I, I'm just, I just don't have what it takes. Job also tells us, he said, the thing I feared came upon me. As a man thinks in his heart, the Bible says, so is he. So you you got to understand that what is going on in your head and your thought life is influencing your relationships. It's a, impacting every part of your life. Worship team, y'all come help me quit because they're, they're not liking this one. All right. When I first started in ministry, I don't know what kind of church you grew up in and, and I appreciate my heritage. I want to say that and I honor my heritage. I wouldn't be where I'm at without some great men and women of God that spoke into my life. But, one of the things that they taught young ministers back in the day was when you start preaching, you got to be careful about what you share. There was almost like a minister's mystique. Like, you, you almost had to be mysterious to be a preacher. And, and what I mean by that is, is they, they, they would preach in such a way that made you feel about that big, and they looked like they were flawless. Like, they're just holy and strong, and man, they, pay, they pray the pain off the walls, and man, they speak with such authority. And, and we never got to see the other end of it, never got to see it. And so they told me, when you preach, you need to be very careful, Chad. Don't share too much. Be bold, speak the word, share your wins. And I tried that for a while, but you know what happened? It didn't work. My heart shrank. I felt like a hypocrite. Getting up and only sharing my wins and never sharing my losses? That don't work. People can learn from your wins and your strengths, but people will only connect to God and to you through your weakness. See, the, the best compliments I get as a communicator, as a preacher, isn't that man? We just love you. You're awesome. You never do anything wrong. It's like we appreciate that you share your losses. You're transparent. You you tell us you don't have it all together. And you say all those things, and it makes us it helps us connect to God and our lives change because at the end of the day, I don't care what they put forth. Listen, I don't care what they put forth, everybody's got issues. Everybody got issues. So I can remember sitting in the seats and thinking I'll never be what he is, I'll never be what she is because they projected such strength. And then I started preaching and realized if God can use me, come on somebody, he can use anybody. Because I know what my mess is, and He still anoints me. I know where I've lost, and He anoints me. I know where I've struggled, and He anoints me and blesses me. And if God can do it for me, God can do it for anybody. So what do I do Sunday after Sunday? I get up and share not just the wins, but I share some losses, some pain, some hurt, some struggle, some areas that I could have did better. And you know what it does? It helps us to connect with God and grow and become who God has called us to be, somebody. Come on, His strength is made perfect. In my weakness, I can overcome my fear of intimacy because I already know what God has said over me. Come on, if you're thankful for what God has said over your life today, come on, give him a shout of praise. The reason I can do that is because I'm sharing from a place of strength because I know what my daddy has said. So I don't have to pretend to be perfect for you I hope like, like if you need that I'm sure there's another church that you can find that honestly I'm, I'm, I'm not even joking if that's what you need there's another place for you but I'm never going to get up here and act like I've got everything together all the time because that's, that's just not the truth everybody has issues Everybody has struggled. But you know what? It's not going to keep me from enjoying intimacy with God and, for, and, and from surrounding myself with the right people. Getting connected to some people that love me even when they know my mess. How I many? isn't that what love is? How I mean, if you're married, love looks a lot like I love you even though I know all your mess. And clean up your mess, right? I, I, I love you anyway. I know your issues. That's what it's about. Romans 15 and 7, it says, accept one another just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. I'm going to give you homework. I want you to make a list. If you want to overcome your fear of intimacy, make a list of why you have been accepted in Christ. Start right there. You say, well, I don't know why I'm accepted. Come on, open your Bible, read it a little bit, and you'll have about 50 things of why God has accepted you. You need to solidify that first. Secondly, you need to get in some real relationships with people. You can't be in control and have intimacy at the same time. This fall, we're going to launch small groups. You need to get in one. This younger generation, 35 and and younger, they're filling our small groups up, and some of them are preaching messages on this platform and leading songs on this platform. Wow, it's not just because this is a great church. It is a great church, but they they believe in community. They believe that, Real intimate relationships makes them better. And a lot of us, we get a little older and think, we can do it ourselves. We got it. And that one thought, that one statement has stunted your spiritual growth. The third thing I'll give you for homework, come out of hiding. Come on, hit two people and tell them, come out of hiding. Quit quit trying to cover your issues. Pretend like you got it all together. Come out of hiding. Don't hide behind your success. Don't hide behind a job or money or pride. Don't hide behind it. Be real. Man, if I, if I want anything for this church, I want this church to be real. Real people, man, that had real mess. But you know what? They found a real Jesus. Come on, somebody. That's, that's, that's what it's all about. Oh, I could preach another hour right now. I'm feeling this thing. But I'm not going to do that. we got another service coming in. So I'm going to ask that you bow your heads, close your eyes, no one looking around. If you're in this room or watching online and you're not in a relationship with Jesus, it all starts with God. It it impacts every part of our life. And I'm not saying today that you receive Christ and everything in your life is perfect. That's not what I'm saying. I am saying that he will forgive you. He'll give you strength in the area of your weakness. I am saying that if you put him first, he can help you in your relationships. It doesn't mean you can control other people. But he'll give you the grace you need to do what is right He'll help every part of your life But you gotta put him first If you're in this place and you don't know Jesus As your personal savior You wanna make him the Lord of your life today If that's you, would you throw your hand up Right there where you are And say, that is me, I wanna make Jesus the Lord Of my life, thank you for that hand back there God bless you God bless you Thank you for the one online as well Anyone else Say, that is me Another one over here. God bless you. God bless you. Church, let's pray with these three hands that have gone up today. Everybody join together. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I can't save myself. I come out of hiding today. And I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me, to wash me, and to cleanse me. I invite you into my heart and into my life to be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for changing me and saving me. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, celebrate those three hands. Prayer team and staff, please come forward. If you need prayer, don't leave without it. God bless you.